So Merry Christmas to you all. I uh, know that you've heard that many times over the past couple weeks. Another uh, social ice-breaking question I'm sure you've heard more than you care to remember is, are you ready for Christmas? Right? Have you heard that at least 10 or 15 times? Oh yeah, children, you're ready to leave, so <laughs> you can do so. Uh, but yeah, how many times have you heard that question in the past couple of weeks? Are you ready for Christmas? And of course, uh, what follows that question is a superficial discussion about gifts and lists and all that kind of stuff. And then you go on your way. It's kind of a socially acceptable way to greet one another this time of year, isn't it? Are you ready for Christmas? And of course, um, we know that uh, being ready for Christmas has nothing to do with our shopping list, right? If you're a Christian, um, I want to suggest to you that being ready for Christmas is something completely different. And I want to share with you this morning how you can actually be ready for Christmas, whether or not you have made it through your Christmas shopping list. All right, so let's begin by asking this question. Why is the Christmas season supposed to be the happiest time of the year? I mean, we have songs that presented as such. We, we think of it as such in many, in many cases. And I'm wondering if it's because there is this large older man with a white beard dressed in red who claims that he delivers gifts to the world over by flying around on a reindeer sleigh. Uh, is that what brings good cheer to your Christmas? Is it uh, because uh, you get together with family and friends and create memories, both good and bad, at this time of year, that this is the happiest time of year for you, if it is? Um, this time of year, though, is special to many, if not most people, uh, getting together with family and friends and uh, exchanging gifts and enjoying music, smells, lights, you know, all can be very nostalgic and enjoyable. But behind all of it, behind everything, uh, why is it that this is supposedly the happiest time of the year for the human race? And of course, if you're a Christian, you have an inkling of the answer. But today's verse in Psalm 119, verse 12, actually tells us why this may be the happiest time of the year. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Psalm 119, and let's read this Christmas text, if you don't mind. Yes, Christmas is found in Psalms 119, and here it is, verse 12, it just so happens to fall on the very verse that we're studying at this time. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. How is it that this verse, as simple as it sounds, describing the happiness of Christmas? Well, if blessed means happy, and it does, this verse is telling us that God is happy. Lord, you're happy, this verse tells us. Teach me your statutes. So, there we see that at least God is happy at this time of year. At least he has reason to be joyful. And scripture seems to affirm that God is happy. It's, it affirms this all throughout scripture, but particularly in Paul's first letter to Timothy, he says this in chapter six, 
He who is the blessed or happy and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And then in the first chapter, he's talking to his disciple Timothy about the gospel. And he says, in accordance with the gospel, the glory of the happy God with which I have been entrusted. So God is a happy God. And I want to tell you why this is such good news for us today and why this makes Christmas a happy time of year. Have you ever tried to imagine our existence if God were sovereign and unhappy? You ever thought about that? What if God, as we know him, were an unhappy creature? Of course, you know sovereign means to be in control of everything at all times. So if God were sovereign and unhappy, our existence would be miserable, wouldn't it? God would live to create hardship for you, to inflict pain and watch you squirm under it. That would, that's what would make him happy. But the Bible presents a different God, doesn't it? Aren't you happy about that? <laughs> yeah, the Bible presents a God that's benevolent, kind, loving, giving of gifts, happy. It says this in Exodus chapter 8, I mean Ezra chapter 8, sorry. The hand of our God is for good on all those who seek him. Mark 10, Jesus said this about God, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. God is good. And then, of course, the well-known verse in Psalm 34, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy is the man who takes refuge in him. God is so good that if you'll simply take refuge in him, you'll be happy, according to the psalmist. And so we see throughout Scripture that God's goodness and our happiness are intricately connected. If God weren't happy, or rather if God weren't happy and good, we wouldn't be happy at all. You know, it, it, our happiness is dependent on God's goodness. Um, and so we need to be so thankful that he is good and that he is happy and that his goodness and happiness literally overflows to us, his creatures. So let me try to uh, explain to you and affirm to you this idea of the happiness of God. Um, why is God happy? How, what is it that makes God happy? If this verse says, blessed or happy are you, O Lord, what is it that makes him happy? Some people think that they can make God happy by behaving, by being kind, going to church, giving money to the needy, walking old ladies across the street and so forth. If I can just behave, God will be happy. Others think that God is like them in that he is happy when things go his way. That's kind of how we are, isn't it? And we think, of course, God's like us. If, if things are going my way, I'm happy, so that must be the case with God. If things are going his way, he's happy. That's not God, though. And, and here's why. God isn't dependent on external things to make him happy. This is something we must understand. God is happy in himself. God is infinitely self-sufficient, needs nothing outside of himself to be happy. Think about God's existence for a while. I know that's hard to do because he's infinite and eternal. But before any of this existed, was God happy? Yes. <laughs> Which means that none of this makes him happy, per se. 
There's, there is nothing that he created out of need. He wasn't lonely, so created a human race. That's not the way it happened. We are not here because God's lonely. The world doesn't exist because God got bored. All right, so we need to think of God in, in a different way. He's absolutely blessed or happy in himself. He was completely and eternally and infinitely content before anything was created. He is free of any unmet desires. Think of that. He has no unmet desires and is infinitely content and needs nothing outside of himself to bring himself joy. And this is one of the many ways that God is different from us. We are dependent on other people, other things, pleasant circumstances to experience happiness. God is not. It is true to say that God's happiness is based on God knowing himself, God loving himself, and God delighting in himself. Now, many of you, the first time you think about what I just said, that kind of makes you recoil, doesn't it? Because if someone else said that, they would be an egotist. If I told you, I am so happy with myself, I am just in love with John, you would say, we need to get a new pastor. And you'd be right. But why is it different when God says those things? When God says, I'm in love with myself, I delighted myself, I am really good on this one. Why is that okay? Because it is. Well, let me, let me try to share with you a simple reason. God is not egotistical in this way because he is the ultimate good. There is nothing better than God. There is nothing that brings more joy than God. He is the true source of happiness. And so it's not only okay for God to be completely self-satisfied, it's actually required of him. He must be completely self-satisfied. Because if he were satisfied in anything other than himself, he himself would be an idolater, which he cannot be. Because if he were, he'd cease to be God. And so he must be self-satisfied. He must be self-content. He must look to himself for joy and happiness. Now, here comes the reason we must find our happiness and peace and contentment in him. If God is completely and only happy in himself, then it makes sense that he would also be such for us, right? If God is enough for God, then surely he's enough for us. If God can find satisfaction in himself as great as his desires are, and how great are God's desires? Infinite. God's desires are infinite. And if he can satisfy those desires in himself, certainly he can satisfy our finite desires, right? So if there's enough liquid to fill a gallon container, we can fill a teaspoon with that, is the idea. So God is, is satisfied in himself. He's happy in himself. Secondly, God, because of this, God is the source of happiness for us. This is important to understand. This is how you're going to be ready for Christmas. 
God is the source of infinite happiness, infinite love, infinite peace, which means that he has more than enough of these things to supply every person who's ever lived. His supply is infinite. He is the fountain of happiness. He not only is the standard and definition of happiness, but he's willing and anxious to hand out and give all these type of blessings to any of his creatures who will simply come and ask. Now, you might say, well, I've asked God for a lot of things that would make me happy, and I haven't received too many of them. So, Pastor John, evidently it isn't that God is so willing to be giving out happiness as you suggest. I've asked for a lot of things to make me happy, and I don't seem to get them. Well, here's where it's important that you understand what I'm saying. God is not only happy and the source of happiness, but he's also infinitely wise and good. So he knows exactly, because he made us, what will make us happy and what won't make us happy. He's wise enough to understand the difference. And he's good enough to withhold things that actually won't make us happy, but will do the opposite. This is why he's God and we are not. God wants us to actually experience true and lasting happiness. He doesn't want us to settle on a short-term, superficial happiness. He's actually designed material and temporary things to not produce the kind of happiness that he's offering. Oh, certainly God wants us to enjoy the gifts that he gives us. Those things are temporary, gifts like health, family, sustenance, and so forth. God, God wants us to experience that and enjoy that, but he doesn't want those things to be our hope. And, and we, we mistake that a lot, don't we? A lot of times we, we get enamored with the gifts that God gives us and forget about the giver of those gifts. And that's what God wants us to avoid because those gifts are, are meant to simply whet our appetite for the giver of those gifts, tantalize us in a sense. Psalm 145 says this, about God, you open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. In some form or another, every living thing, including you, has tasted of God's goodness. You say, well, I'm personally not experiencing that right now. I've got a lot of issues. If you knew my life, you wouldn't be so flippant, Pastor John, in saying how everything is so wonderful. It's not a wonderful life for me. Well, let me ask you a simple question. Are you breathing? If you're breathing, that is a gift from God, according to Scripture. He gives every breath as a gift from his benevolent hand. You actually have experienced God's goodness and blessing. That doesn't have to come from God. He's not required to grant you breath, but he does because he's a benevolent, good God. It's even more so for the Christian. Paul said this to the Ephesian church. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Friends, if you're a Christian today, if you've embraced Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been given an abundance of God's blessing beyond life and breath, Beyond sustenance, you've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, which you may not understand completely, which, by the way, no one does that's living. 
But we have been receiving grace upon grace, as the Apostle John called it. God's goodness is continually overflowing to the Christian. And so the happiness that is from God is something that he gives to everyone who will ask without reservation. As I just quoted from John 1, from his fullness, like it's an overflowing cup, picture that in your mind, an overflowing cup, we have received grace upon grace. Now, if you're sitting here thinking to yourself, well, am I missing something? Uh, when God was passing out happiness, did I miss the meeting? Um, and you may have. You may have missed that meeting. Uh, but God has handed out happiness to all who will ask. And I want to explain to you now how you can experience the happiness that I'm talking about. Because you may have missed the meeting. But guess what? Here's another meeting. And I'm going to share with you right now from God's word, how you can be a happy person, which is our second point. Happy God, happy people. Even though God doesn't need us, um, he joyfully overflows for us his happiness for our good. God is a giving God. It's, it's one of his characteristics. It's kind of what defines him. He's a giver. And he enjoys it. And the Bible indicates to us that his greatest gift possible is himself. Remember, if God is completely satisfied in himself, then we must also or should be also satisfied in him. And guess what? He gives us himself as a gift so that we can enjoy him. This is what happens. This, this is the story of the incarnation, isn't it? This is, this is the Christmas story. God became man. He gave himself to mankind, to the human race. And this is from Genesis to Revelation. This is what this book is about. He gives of himself for the eternal and infinite enjoyment of anybody who will receive him by faith. This is what makes Christmas happy. This time of year, of course, marks the anniversary of God's greatest gift ever. At least this is when we celebrate it. When God became a man, you remember the celebration that took place? It's recorded in the Gospels. It says a lot of angels showed up to celebrate this event. And they announced that we bring good news of great joy for all people. It was a celebration of the fact that God in his goodness was giving himself to the human race. In the second half of Psalm 119, verse 12, the author says, teach me your statutes. You see that? Teach me how to be happy. God, if you're the source of happiness, if you are what it means to be happy, if knowing you means happiness, then teach me to know you, is his request. That, that's what this verse is saying. Where does a stream get its water? From the fountain, right? From the spring. The stream, if the spring dries up, the stream goes away. And so, as human beings, knowing that our source of joy and happiness is from God, that's the place we must go to get it. Not that we can't enjoy the gifts that he gives, but why not trace that stream back to the fountain and enjoy the source which God offers? And I want to share with you two steps to finding ultimate happiness, the joy that I'm speaking about, the joy that 
verse 12 speaks about. In Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, it says this, you make known to me the path of life. That means abundant life, the, the path of the, the great life, the happy life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So that's where the happiness is. How do we get there? We've got to find our way into the presence of God, right? How do we do it? How is it that we, sinful human beings, can find our way into the presence of God? We've, we've got to figure this out. We're, we have a problem on our hands because of our sin. We've been alienated from God. There's a separation now between God and us, and, and this is our doing. We must close this gap somehow that exists between God and man, between you and God. And so step one to finding true and lasting happiness is to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. You know, you can, you can enjoy a, a gift from God like anybody else. I mean, I don't, I don't know that a Christian can enjoy a new car any more than a non-Christian can enjoy a new car. But that is a short-lived experience, isn't it? This is why you want another new car after it's two years old. Uh, it doesn't continue to do its trick for you. So you seek out some other thrill to fill that vacancy. But that is never the case with God. He never wears out. He never loses his new smell. This is something that we must realize. God is always the source of abundant happiness. And so we must be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. We must find our way to the source of happiness, which is the presence of God. And the only way to do that is by being reconciled to him through Jesus Christ. And this is the only way that, that God has designed this to work. You know, we, if he is our only source of happiness, and yet we seek our happiness in other things, mundane things, it offends God. If our, if our source, ultimate source of joy and happiness is in toys or in relationships, uh, that is actually undermining the point of the gifts that were given. They were given to draw you to God. And if we remain content uh, in the, the things instead of the giver, that offends God. And, and here's the reason, because things lack the fullness that is only found in God. It's because things are only a reflection of the reality, because things are only temporary by design, by God's design. And so we, we cannot remain forever content in the gifts and ignore the giver of the gifts. That could be a basic definition of sin. So how, do, how can we be re reconciled to God? 1 Timothy 1.11 gives us a hint. I've already read this for you, but let me do it again. According to the glorious gospel of the happy God. How can you be reconciled to God? According to the glorious gospel. That's how. What does that mean? What does gospel mean? The word. Good news, right? So God is saying, hey, I've got some good news for you alienated people. I've got some good news for you folks who are struggling to find happiness. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you read the Bible, you, you come across the gospel on every page. You discover that God is holy, perfect. 
And lo and behold, you are not. You and I have this problem that separates from some God. It's called sin. Uh, and it's a serious problem. And because of God's perfection, his justice requires that he separate from us sinners. And so sin separates us from God because he's holy and we are not. But the Bible also reveals the solution to this separation. Uh, listen to this solution. 2 Corinthians 5.18. All this is from God who through Christ Jesus has reconciled us to himself. The way that you can be reconciled to God, the way that you can find your way back into his presence is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said this plainly in John 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to God but through me. Right? So the only way that you can find your way back into the presence of God where we will find this satisfying happiness is through Christ Jesus. So what's all that about? Well, when God became a man, he was born as Jesus Christ. And this is the reason for the celebration. You've heard this verse many times, especially during this time of year. Isaiah 9-6 describes this event pretty, pretty clearly. For unto us a child is born, that is referring to Jesus, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Now look at the next title, Mighty God. This one who came as a baby was the God of the universe, Jesus. He came, he, he himself, the one who was offended, the one who was alienated. The one who was sinned against came himself to this planet as one of us to live the life that God requires you and I to live, which is a perfect life. I've asked this before and have everybody, has never had anybody raise a hand. How have you been doing on that perfect life thing? No one is willing to say, I, I'm, I'm really doing well so far. Because as soon as you think about raising your hand, you, you're disqualified, Right? You don't have to raise your hand. Just think about it. You're disqualified. But Jesus, the God of heaven, came and lived the perfect life that God requires of everyone. You know, he, he requires this perfect living, which we can't do. And, and glories of glories, he, he not just lived this perfect life, but what did he do? He offered to credit our account with that life. He offered to to credit you if you'll just come to him in faith and lean on him and trust him and say I need that father forgive me he will grant the perfect life of Christ to you and so then God the father will see you as he sees his son Jesus forgive your sin and count you as holy and that moment you are reconciled to God through Christ not through you not through your good works not through all your efforts, not through your parents, not through your church, through Jesus Christ. You're reconciled to God through Christ. So you must be reconciled to God. Look what the angel told Joseph and Mary about the reason Jesus came. She, that's Mary, will bear a son and, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? Why Jesus? Because he will save his people from their sins. That's what the name Jesus means. Jehovah saves. God saves. That's the name of this guy. <laughs> Jesus lived that life that was required of us 
died the death that we deserved so that we could live with God uninterrupted even though we don't deserve it. What an, what an amazing story. This is why, why Christmas is a happy time. We're reminded of this truth. God became man so that I can be reconciled to him, so that I can know forgiveness of sin, so that I can be happy. Wow. 2 Corinthians 5.18, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So to get back to the point, in order to be happy, you must have God. That's step one. Do you have God? Have you been reconciled to God through Christ? Step two, be saturated with God's word. Again, back to Psalm 119, verse 12. Happy are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Why teach me your statutes? What's that have to do with happiness? I'm about to tell you. You may be sitting here as a Christian lacking joy. And you, you wouldn't be a unique Christian. Many Christians struggle with lack of joy. Um, so what do you do? Well, do your circumstances still hold too much sway over your happiness? Are you depending on positive circumstances to make you happy? Or are you looking beyond your circumstances to the God of your circumstances? Since God is the only true source of our happiness, then our circumstances cannot be. Right? Friends, this is why so many Christians have been in dire circumstances and remain joyful and happy. This is why Brandon Doyle could tell me this past Thursday that God is good and that he and Gail's joy remain steady even in the face of the death of their daughter. How is that possible? Because circumstances aren't the determiner of our happiness. There's no other answer. Friends, the Bible, from cover to cover, gives us direction and guidance to experience happiness, peace, and contentment that are unrelated to our circumstances. This is why the psalmist in verse 12 pleads with God to teach me your statutes. God, I want to know how to live like that. I want to know how to live above my circumstances. I want to know how to have happiness and contentment in the midst of darkness. Verse 12 could read like this. You are the object of my happiness. My happiness is found only in the enjoyment of you. Show me you. That's what verse 12 says in the vernacular. And so here's the obvious deduction. If God is the chief good and the most satisfying thing to us, it only makes sense to seek him with our whole heart so that we'll find him. And according to this text, where is it we find him? On Mount Clemens with our legs crossed, humming? No, in your statutes, in your word. <laughs> Friends, we are instructed, commanded, 
in this chapter alone, 172 times, there's 176 verses, 172 of them command us to be in the Word for one reason. And it's not because of the thrilling poetry or the exciting stories. It's because God reveals himself here. There's no other reason to be here. There's no other reason to memorize this, to meditate on it, to delight in it. Frankly, it's kind of boring sometimes to read. Why be in it? Because God reveals himself to you here and nowhere else. The author knows that only God can do the miracle of resetting our affections. And so he prays in verse 12, teach me your statutes, please. The author knows that only God can light the candle in the darkness of your soul. And so he prays, teach me your statutes. The author knows that only God can excite an interest in my mind and heart for spiritual things versus material things. And so he prays, teach me your statutes. The author knows that it only is in God where he'll find happiness. And so he says, God, teach me your statutes. The more time we spend in the word of God, the more influence it will have over us and the more happiness that we will experience. It's not rocket science. The reason that the psalmist continues to press us about having that word of God flood our minds is because here and only here is where we will find the happy one. God is what we need. He is the fountain of happiness and peace. The great business of Jesus Christ is to make us happy in the enjoyment of God found on the pages of Scripture. This is why he came. This is why Christmas is a happy time. And now when someone asks you, are you ready for Christmas? You can say, oh, I am so ready. So ready. I haven't shopped for anybody, but I am ready. Let's pray. God, we are so ready for Christmas. We are so thankful for the gift of yourself to mankind. Thank you for coming to be one of us to give us hope, to give us happiness, to replace our darkness with light, to replace our sorrow with unspeakable happiness. I pray, God, for every person in this room that they would not rest their hope of happiness on their circumstances, but that they would seek out the God of their circumstances, the God behind their circumstances. Seek out him, seek out his presence. For in your presence, God, we've been promised that there is fullness of joy. Thank you, Father, for this blessing that we've found in your word. Minister to our hearts now through your spirit. I pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.